Second Samuel chapter thirteen. 2 Samuel chapter thirteen. Appreciate these men uh, singing like they do, playing like they do. It's a blessing to my heart. I know it's a blessing to yours. I always enjoy when these guys come up and sing and play for us using their talents and abilities that God's given them uh, for His honor and glory. I appreciate that. Amen. Second Samuel chapter thirteen. Uh, we're going to begin there in verse one. Uh, I've entitled uh, this message, but it ended up becoming a series of messages, I believe. Uh, of course, wasn't planning on this, uh, but as I was just kind of reading through the Bible today, the Lord was just uh, giving me a lot of things, uh, and uh, so I was like, "Well, Lord, I think I can probably turn this into a series, maybe." But um, and so I so I entitled this uh, "Played Like Puppets." Played like puppets. Second uh, Samuel chapter thirteen. When we think about our Christian life, we just think about our journey, everything that we're going through, and uh, in life. Uh, we understand that we're in a battle, that we're in, a, of course, a, a war, a spiritual war that we face every single day. And the Bible tells us to, um, the Bible tells us in the book of Ephesians, uh, to uh, to put on the whole armor of God that we may be able to withstand against the wiles of the devil. Uh, and so, every single day, uh, the Lord has plots and plans and schemes and all these different kinds of things. But I'm thankful that I have a God in heaven uh, that knows all these things. Nothing can uh, nothing can happen outside of the mind of God. God knows it all. Uh, and so we praise the Lord for that. But uh, we need to make sure that as Christians that we are a people that is aware uh, that we are in a spiritual battle, that there is a spiritual enemy that we face, and that he is interested in uh, uh, integrating himself into our lives uh, and trying to be a part of it as much as he can uh, for those that are lost and those that are saved. Uh, and so making sure that we are a people that... Uh, are uh, making sure that we are aware of this uh, is definitely important uh, for us. Uh, entitled this message, as I said, "Played Like Puppets." How many of how many of you have ever you ever heard that phrase before? You've been played, or you felt like you got played. The idea is that uh, maybe you were deceived, or maybe someone got the upper hand up on you, or there was something you didn't know about, and maybe they tricked you, or they deceived you, or something like that, and then you ended up being the one. Uh, with the loss, or you ended up being the one uh, that was in sorrow. And so the idea that you got played, uh, I think there's a number of folks in the Bible that we can see uh, who were uh, who were played, and we can also see some of the players, uh, and we can name a few of them. Uh, we think about, uh, I think we can think about Jacob. I mean, the Bible, the, the Bible says before he became, before his name was changed to Israel, uh, his name was Jacob, means trickster or deceiver. And of course, what did he do uh, to his dad? He tricked and deceived his dad. He wanted the blessing. Uh, you know, that is what he desired. That's what he craved. He wanted that. Uh, I think we can also see uh, men like even Judas. I mean, he was there with Christ the whole time uh, and then kissed the cheek of the Lord Jesus, of course, while the soldiers that were coming to get the Lord were standing right behind him. I mean, there's a host of, of folks in the Bible that we can look at uh, and talk about, and we'll look at a few of them, but, uh, you know, just understanding tonight that all of us here this evening that we are, uh, we're vessels, and, uh, and as a vessel, a vessel is made to be filled, and one of the things we want to do is we want to make sure that we are filled with God, amen, that we are filled with righteousness, uh, but vessels can also be filled, uh, not just with good things, but vessels can be filled with evil things. And as a vessel, we want to make sure that we are being a vessel that is used for righteousness. Listen, whether we're, whether, uh, if we're saved, that's what we definitely want to do. 
But we also know uh, throughout the scriptures that we can see that even those that uh, even those that are saved, uh, even those that did know God, that they were also used by the devil to do certain things. Uh, and so, as we look at our text here tonight, uh, just some things I want to pull out. Uh, as I was reading over Second uh, Samuel chapter thirteen, there was so many things uh, that I saw. Uh, and I'm just going to pull a few things out of it tonight as we talk about a man in particular. Now, there's a number of different characters that I want us to look at, but I won't be able to get it all out tonight. That's why this will be a series played, by, uh, played like puppets. But one man in particular that I want us to take a look at, his name was Jonadab. Now, this man, uh, he is really obscure. Uh, throughout the scriptures, you don't ever really see him. He comes in here in chapter 13. He goes out in chapter 13. You don't ever really hear anything else about him or of him. Uh, and he just kind of comes in on the scene and then he's gone. But he did so much damage in chapter 13 that it is just amazing the things that he caused and the things that he did. Uh, now, there are many other people in chapter 13 that, uh, that we uh, sometimes place more focus and attention on. And that would be, of course, uh, Ammon, uh, who is what we're fixing to take a look at. Uh, and uh, Jonadab, his name is mentioned, but he's not as prominent as some of the other ones. And so sometimes we kind of look over him, uh, but he is the one I want us to look at tonight. Uh, so we can see Ammon. We also see Tamar. And she is uh, kind of a picture uh, of this right here that we want to uh, take a look at. We also see David. We see Absalom. Uh, and, uh, uh, and a couple of other folks. But out of, out of all of these folks that maybe perhaps we hear a whole lot of, Jonadab was one of those men that you don't really never hear nothing about. And you know, and I think, and, and I think there's, uh, and I think one of the reasons why is because he is a picture and a type of Satan. And I'm going to show you that here tonight that he is one, I think perhaps as I studied on him today, I believe he was probably perhaps, and though I only know just a few short verses about him, he might be perhaps, and throughout this story uh, here in chapter, throughout the chapter 13, he might be perhaps one of the men that I see that most resembles Satan in the whole Bible. Uh, and, uh, and I just said one of the men. There are several types, but he is one of these men, and it just caught my eye because, you know, as God's people, we have to be so careful because Jonadab was an evil, wicked man. And he didn't, he didn't put that on that persona out there in front of everybody. He was kind of a, he was a man that uh, was kind of, kind of back in the shadows. Uh, you know, the Bible calls, uh, I guess we can kind of refer to Jonadab as the Bible would call in, in Psalm 26, verses 2 and 5, a dissembler. Uh, now, a dissembler is a, uh, the, the word for dissembler actually means someone who is a, uh, a hypocrite or a pretender or a fake person, so to speak. Uh, a dissembler dis uh, puts on the front to come in to make everybody think something, believe something, but he's actually uh, doing something else. And he just kind of pretends to be what he is. And so that's kind of what jo Jonadab is. And I was studying about him today. Now, it was just uh, was so profound uh, that I, as I was uh, examining him and, and putting him up against uh, uh, putting him up against the devil, I saw so many similarities that I thought it would be important that as God's people that we make sure that we are aware uh, uh, of these things because you'll notice there in verse 3 the Bible says but Ammon had a friend and, and I think it's important and of course that's the message in and of itself that as God's people we make sure that, uh, that we make friends wisely, right? Uh, we want to make sure that we're not a friend of the world, amen? The Bible says a friend of the world is an enmity with God and so we don't want that and of course we don't isolate ourselves from the world but we insulate ourselves from the world uh, and so making sure, you know, uh, those that we keep in our company is extremely important because oftentimes the direction that our company is going is maybe the direction that you're going. And sometimes you might be able to tell a whole lot about a person by the company that they keep. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, and so it's, it's just extremely important that as God's people that we keep these things in the forefront of our mind uh, because oftentimes we don't really under, we don't realize 
the Jonadabs that may be around us or in our life until it's too late. Uh, and so we want to make sure that we understand who these, uh, who these folks are or what these things are uh, that are in our life that can breathe such deception uh, in, uh, into our lives and just really totally destroy everything that we love and hold dear in our life. Uh, and so as we take a look at what's going on here, uh, we can see there in uh, chapter 13, there in verse 1, let's read a few verses here. The Bible says, It came to pass after this that Absalom, the son of David, had a fair sister. Now, whose name was Tamar, and Ammon, and Ammon, the son of David, loved her. Now, one of the things I want us to see there in verse 1 is, of course, we see Absalom, and we see that Absalom had a sister, and her name was Tamar. Uh, the Bible says that she was fair. In other words, she was beautiful. She was uh, nice to look upon. And uh, this was Absalom's full sister. Now, uh, Ammon, uh, he, was, uh, in, uh, he was infatuated with her. The Bible says he loved her, but he didn't love her in the sense that we would think of. He, had a, uh, he, he loved the way she looked. Does that make sense? He loved the way she looked. He had an infatuation with her. It wasn't a, it wasn't a love like you and I would think of between maybe perhaps a husband and a wife. He had a love, uh, he had a love for her, her appearance. He had a love for what she had to offer. That's the kind of love that he had towards her. Uh, and so, we, but, and, and so Ammon, he had this love towards Tamar, but the thing was, uh, the issue is, is that she was his half sister. Uh, and of course, there was an issue there. There was a problem there, even a Levitical problem there. Uh, and so there was uh, an issue. Of course, he understood that this was wrong. She knew that this was wrong. And, and so there in verse 1, we can see, we see David. We see, uh, we see Absalom, he had, the, the son of David. He has a fair sister whose name is Tamar. And Ammon, the son of David, loved her. Now, Tamar's name means palm tree or fruit. And so we see Ammon. And Ammon there, the Bible shows us he has a desire. He has this infatuation. He has this love for Tamar. There in verse 2, notice what happens. The Bible says, And Ammon was so vexed that he fell sick for his sister Tamar, for she was a virgin. And Ammon thought it hard for him to do anything to her. And so there in verse 2, it actually brings a lot to light. Because what we see, we understand that Ammon, he had this infatuation with his half-sister that he shouldn't have. Uh, and also it was... Levitically, that, that, that Levitically and by law, that was something that should not come to pass. That was something he should have kicked out of his mind and got out of his head. But he did not. And I'm going to show you what happened there in verse 2. The Bible says that he was so vexed by that that he fell sick for his sister. I mean, he was so infatuated with her uh, that he was, in essence, uh, he was, in essence, almost like he wasn't eating. He wasn't even himself. He, he, wanted, he wanted his half-sister so bad uh, that he couldn't think about anything else. He couldn't grab a hold of anything else. She was the only one, the only thing that was in his mind, so much so that he wrestled with the fact that he knew that what he knew that it was wrong, he knew it wasn't right, but he wrestled with it and battled with it so much that it even vexed his own soul. He wanted her so badly. He was so infatuated. He loved her by her looks. He loved her appearance. There in verse 2, he was, uh, Ammon was so vexed that he fell sick for his sister Tamar. For she was a virgin. Watch this now. When Ammon thought it hard for him to do anything to her. You see, he wanted to do something to her, but he couldn't. He had a hard time finding the opportunity to her, and this is the reason why. The reason why he couldn't find an opportunity to do anything to her was because since, she, since Tamar was one of, the king's son, uh, one of the king's daughters, and the king's daughters, of course, they wore a robe, and we'll see that. You read on Tamar, you'll, you'll look and see the story. Uh, the king's daughters, that they were virgins, and they wore 
or they wore a robe, a coat of many colors, so to speak, which identified them as not only a child of the king, but also identified them as their purity, identified them as a virgin, identified, uh, identified their purity before the king, before God, and everybody else. And so she was wearing one of these robes. Well, he found it awful hard to get to her because the king's daughter, who was a virgin, wearing one of these robes was always surrounded by guards surrounded by eunuchs or surrounded by people that make sure that she stays safe so that nobody would violate the king's daughter. Uh, and so he found it very difficult, found it very hard to find an opportunity to get to her alone, which is what he wanted. Something begins to happen. And let's take a look at verse three. But Ammon had a friend. And this friend, of course, was going to be Joannadab. And Jonadab, he, as I said, uh, you know, the Bible, the Bible tells us, of course, that iron sharpens iron. You need, listen, you need to find you some good friends. Uh, and, uh, and, and the people, the company that you keep is going to make a difference in your life because the Bible says the way of transgressors is hard. And when you live like the devil and you travel with people that want to live like the devil, it's, it's going to make your life that much more difficult, that much more painful, and that much more sorrowful. And so what we want to do is we want to surround ourselves with good people. But the problem is, is that, wasn't what, that wasn't what he was surrounding himself with. Now, he had a friend, but his friend... Uh, his friend Jonadab wasn't just a friend, but he was a family member. Jonadab was his first cousin, his first cousin. But his first cousin, who was um, uh, the son of uh, Shemael, you'll see here in just a few minutes, and he was the third brother of King David, King David's third brother. His third brother was there whenever David was, uh, whenever he was picked out of the field and, and, uh, and, and, and anointed as king. He was a part of Saul's army whenever Saul was around. His brother, and so David's brother, third brother, had seen all these things, had seen the, uh, had, had knew everything, of course, there was to know about David. And so he had this son, he had this son, Joanadab, but we don't ever hear nothing about Joanadab until now. And so, but there in verse three, but Ammon had a friend. And that's why it's so important that you make sure that you keep, uh, you, uh, that you have, that you keep good friends. Uh, because listen, sometimes we can be played. Now, I dare say most of you probably been alive long enough. And by your own admission, you, how many have ever raised your hand and say, you know what? I feel like I've been played before. I got deceived. I got tricked. I dare say every single one of us in here tonight. Did you know that not everybody that comes in your life means and seeks for your well-being? Did you know that? Not everybody that comes in your life and not everybody that comes around in your life, not everybody that shakes your hand, not everybody that pats you on the back, not everybody, not all of those people seek your well-being and seek what's right for you. And listen, we got to understand the Bible says we need to be a discerner, right? A discerner. We need to, we need to be a people who have, have discernment in our life. The Bible says to try the spirits, whether they be of God. So we, as God's people, listen, the Lord wants us to say, listen, I don't want you to be naive. I want you to know. I want you to understand. I want you to exact wisdom. I want you to have knowledge. Listen, these are the things I desire and want you to do. But don't, but know this, not everybody that comes along your way, not everybody that shakes your hand, not everybody that pats you on the back, seeks your well-being, wants the best for you. And so that means not only in our personal lives, our friendships, our families, uh, not e listen, not everybody that comes through that door right there of Gospel Light Baptist Church wants the best. Let's be honest. You've got to be honest with that. I mean, if uh, these folks come into our lives, they come into our homes, they're part of our workplaces, all that stuff. Listen, not everybody that comes through those doors of the church seeks the best for the church. And so that is something that we have to make sure that we keep in the, in the forefront of our minds because the devil's doing everything he can to destroy our personal lives, destroy our homes, 
and destroy our churches all across the country. And that's why whenever Amy was up here and she was talking about even the other, the other morning, uh, talking about how 96% of churches, it is said, are, 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 are hanging on to everything that God were declining, uh, or 94%. Listen, if we want to stay in the 6%, then we got to be aware of the Jonah dabs. Amen. You got to be aware of the Jonah dabs that come into your life. You got to be aware of the Jonah dabs that come in your home. You got to be aware of the Jonah dabs that come in the workplace. You got to be aware of the Jonah dabs that walk in through the very front doors of your church. And so the Bible shows us right here that Ammon had a friend. Now, uh, this friend, he wasn't really a friend. He acted like he was a friend. But see, that's what the assemblers do. They act like they are friends. But we'll look a little, a little bit at him in a minute. Notice verse 3. The Bible says, Ammon had a friend whose name was Jonadab. Jonadab's name means Yahweh is noble. He had a friend whose name was Jonabad, the son of Shemaiah, David's brother. And Jonadab was a very, watch this now. This is the first thing I want you to see. Jonadab was a what? Very subtle man. He was very subtle. Now, where's the first place you ever read in the scriptures where you see uh, about subtly? I believe not only, uh, I believe it's in Genesis chapter 3 and there in verse 1. Uh, where you see that Satan come on the scene as the, as the serpent and he come in as a person who is crafty and subtle. The Bible says more subtle than any beast of the field. And so he come in here just like he did right there. Now, just like the devil, the devil came on the scene, boom, he was there. And then the next thing you know, judgment was pronounced and he is gone. Now, I know throughout the scriptures, there are several instances where we can see where the devil showed up on the scene, but there aren't many, but there are some. Now, we can see the devil in the background, and we can see places where the devil's working, and all those different types of things, but the next time we see the devil show up is actually in the book of Job, uh, whenever he is accusing Job before God. And then the next time after that you see the devil is whenever he's there in the wilderness trying to tempt the Lord Jesus. So three times we see the devil show up on the scene, and three times he's verbally speaking. Now, there are some other times where the Bible says, and the devil thought this, maybe perhaps, or, 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 or had this in his heart or said. Uh, but three times we've seen the scriptures where the, the devil actually was on the scene and speaking himself, one in the garden, two whenever he was with, uh, with God talking about Job, and then number three when he was with Jesus there in the, uh, in the wilderness uh, tempting the Lord Jesus to sin. And so we can see those three times. Now, we can see, uh, we can see him uh, coming up uh, here in... Uh, in um, Ammon's life, he, he see, we can see that they're together. He has this friend, but he is a very, very subtle, very subtle man. Uh, I found it interesting not long ago, I just did a message when I was going through Genesis and we was talking about the devil himself and I talked about the three times that the devil spoke. Did you know that in this chapter 13, there was only three times that Jonadab spoke? Just three times. There was only three times that Jonadab spoke. And, and I was amazed that I was, I was putting all these things together as I can see the, the, the resemblance of who Joanadab uh, represents uh, and demonstrates, uh, which is a type of Satan. So number three, uh, verse three there. Ammon, he had a friend whose name was Joanadab, the son of Shimei, David's brother. And then we can see, ah, surely there wouldn't be a Joanadab. Surely there wouldn't be a, a dissembler. Surely there wouldn't be somebody, somebody like this who was so close, someone that we would call a friend. Yes, there was. Yes, there was. And the Bible shows us that there in verse 3. Joanadab was a very subtle man. Notice there in verse 4, while he's with Amnon, and you have to understand this too. Why you look at you start to see the kind of man that Joanadab was, and I haven't even began to break the surface yet. You start to see the kind of man that Joanadab was, and you kind of see why he was hanging around Amnon. Amnon was a fleshly man. He was a lustful man. He was a perverted man. And uh, and listen, you start you live a life like you live a life like that, and you start attracting these kind of people to be around you. 
And, uh, and so that's exactly what was going on here. And so uh, we see Ammon, the kind of person that he is. And who does he have there as a friend? It is Joanadab, who has an evil, wicked spirit of his own. And watch this now. Take a look there in verse 4. Notice as he begins to speak, he said unto him, Why art thou? Uh, he says uh, there in verse 4. And he said to him, Why art thou, being the king's son, lean from day to day? Wilt thou not tell me? And Ammon said unto him, I love Tamar, my brother's, my brother Absalom's sister. Now I want you to notice there in verse 4, the very first time that we see Joanadab speak, notice what he said. The Bible says he said to him, Why art thou being the king's son, uh, lean from day to day? Notice the very first thing he did was ask a question. You know the very first thing the devil did in the Garden of Eden there when he talked to Eve was ask a question? It's the very first thing that he did. He asked a question. That was the very first thing that he did. He spoke three times to Eve, and he spoke three times to Eve, and the very first thing that he asked was a question. We see him doing the very same thing right here. Uh, it's almost like we can kind of see, it's almost like you can kind of see in chapter 13 uh, a picture of, of, uh, of the fall of everything all over again. I mean, it's absolutely amazing, but I want you to pull some things out here tonight that's going to help you before we leave because we have a little ways to go. Notice there in verse 4, the Bible says, he says, why art thou, being the king's son, lean from day to day? And so what I see here there in verse 4 is one of the things that he began to show is that not only did he, not only did he begin to ask a question, but we can see like he, we can see there in this verse that he seemed like he really had a logical concern for how he felt. Why art thou the king's son so lean from day to day? He wanted to be a person that really seemed like he was really interested in his well-being and how he was doing and, and all these different types of things. And didn't the devil do the same thing? I mean, he showed up on the scene and began to talk to Eve. You know, whenever he was talking to Eve that whole time, he never not one time said, hey, is Adam around anywhere? Can I talk to him? He never not one time said, hey, you know what? You talk with this God that walks in the cool of day with you so much. Is he around so I can talk to him? I mean, nobody ever said, well, hey, let's bring Adam together and let's bring God together and why don't, all, why don't all of us just sit around here and just talk about this tree for a minute? That didn't happen. You know why? Because the devil don't want that to happen. The devil's there for a particular reason, a particular purpose, and that is to lie and cheat and deceive. And if you're not careful, the Jonadabs will come up and they'll say they're your friend. They'll act like, they'll act like because that's, the, because that's what they are. They're, they're the pretenders and they're, uh, they're, they're the fakers. They'll come up, they'll act like your friend. Oh, I'm really genuinely uh, uh, concerned about your well-being today. What's going on? What's wrong? And what did the devil, when he came to the Garden of Eden, what did he say? He automatically started talking about the trees. Isn't that what we talked about before? He automatically just started talking about the trees. Why was that a topic of subject? Why was that a, uh, the subject? Why was that the topic all of a sudden? Because the devil knew where he wanted to take her. The devil knew exactly what he wanted to do in her life. Now, let's take a look. Keep going now. Now, watch this. The Bible shows us there in verse 4, not only that, but look at verse 4. The Bible says, he said to him, Why art thou being the king's son? Why art thou being the king's son lean from day to day? What I also see there in verse 4 is he tried to put him up on this pedestal and give him a prideful heart if he didn't have it already. Notice, why art thou, watch this now, being the king's son. Lift him up. Hey, you know the kind of person you are. You know the, hey, look, you, you know that you're, you're, you're in the, you're the next in line. I mean, you are David's, you're David's next, you're, you're the next one in line to get the throne. I mean, you're the eldest son. Don't you know who you are? What's wrong with you? If you want it, why don't you go out? Why don't you just go take it? Are you not the king's son? Hey, don't you remember back what your dad did in 2 Samuel chapter 11, just two chapters back? He wanted something, he took it. He wanted something, he took it. 
Who was that? Bathsheba. And you're going to sit here. You love Tamar. You got this, you got this uh, infatuation with Tamar. Yes, she's your half-sister. And you got this infatuation with her. And, and here you are. Your soul is vexed. You want her so bad. You can't even eat. And all you can do is think about her and think about her and think about her. He says, you're the king's son. Why are you letting yourself lay here like this? Why are, you, why are you letting yourself just sit here like this and from day to day to day? Why don't you just, you're the king's son. Just take what you want. Isn't that what, you, isn't that what your daddy did in, in chapter 11? Because when we get in chapter 12, what do we see? Nathan the prophet coming along and pointing his finger at David. And then we'll see the little baby that dies. And then we get here to chapter 13 and the devil says, hey, I'm not done yet. I'm still around. Not done yet, I'm still around. All right, David, I caused, you, I caused you a lot of havoc. I caused you a lot of sorrow through your life. Now I'm going to go after your son right here. I'm going to go after your little boy. I'm going to go after your boy. And so he sits there in front of Ammon and he says, aren't you the king's son? I mean, why would you want to just sit here like this? Why don't, you just, why don't you just take that which you want to take? And so he, in essence, lifts him up on this pedestal that, uh, that uh, since he's the king's son, he should be able to live how he wants to live, do what he wants to do. Abide by your own rules. Why are you worried about all that Bible stuff? Why are you worried about what God wrote there in the book of Leviticus? I mean, you belong to the, you're one of the king's sons. Just do what you want to do. The rules don't apply to you. You're the king's son. The devil tried the very same thing really on them in the Garden of Eden when they went in there and, and he said, God doth know in the day that you eat thereof that you'll be his gods. He wanted to get them to a place where they would no longer see themselves as, as necessarily created by God but like God, as a God. Lift them up to a place where they didn't need to be and the devil did the same thing there to them. We look, look for verse four. The Bible says he said to them, why out there being the king's son, watch this now, lean from day to day. In other words, when he says lean from day to day, you know what that idea is? You're not getting what you, you're not, you're not getting what you deserve. Why are you so lean? He wasn't eating. He was getting skinnier and skinnier and skinnier. But notice just spiritually speaking though, he's not getting what he should get. The devil's doing everything he can to play on that. Joannadab, because he's got issues, is playing with the family. And he's playing them like puppets and they don't even know it. And he comes in and he says, why are you so lean from day to day? Why are you going without? Isn't that what, isn't that what the devil tried to do to, uh, to Eve? He tried to get them to think that, what God, that, what, that, God, that God said, you can eat out of every tree that's there. Just don't eat this one. Oh, but why don't God want you to have that one? Because he knows you'll be like a God if you do. He wanted, the devil wanted them to think they was going to be missing out on something, that God was trying to hide something from them, that, that God didn't want, uh, that God didn't want uh, them to be like him or, or, or for them to have something that was good. And, and so we see Joannadab in essence kind of doing the same thing with the same thing with Amnon. He was in essence saying, why are you so lean from day to day? Why aren't you allowing yourself to waste away like this? Why don't you just go take what you want? Why don't you just go fulfill your desires? Why keep going this way? Why keep living like this? There in verse 4, lean from dead and notice, then notice this now. He says, will thou not tell me? Because he's this friend, he wants to make sure that he has this listening ear. And listen, I'll go ahead and say that too. Make, be careful who you lend a listening ear to. Be careful who you lend a listening ear to because as I said, not everybody is in it for you. 
Not everybody is in it for your best interest. Not everybody is in it for, not everybody is in your life. Not, not everybody is in your workplace. Not everybody that comes across your path. Not everybody that comes into your church. Listen, none of, not, not everybody really is there to hear what you got to say. The Bible shows this right here. There in verse 4, he says, Wilt thou not tell me? And that's exactly what he wanted to do. He wanted, he wanted, he wanted Ammon to feel like, listen, I'm a person that you can trust. I'm a person that you can around. You can tell me anything. And you know the longer that, that you know the longer that the devil talked to Eve there in the garden, the more comfortable she got. Because you see, when they started talking, as I said before, they weren't at the tree of knowledge of good and evil. When they started, he, as they began to talk, he just kind of led her there. And then lo and behold, when they got there, he said, Well, just take a look. She got comfortable. And uh, that's what the Jonadabs do. They come into your life and they want to be comfortable with you and make you comfortable, so comfortable that you'll listen to the junk that they have to say. That you'll listen to all the junk that they have to say. That you'll listen to, uh, that you'll listen to uh, them um, uh, unsatisfied or whatever that it could be. And there in verse 4, he says, Will thou not tell me? Won't you just tell me what's going on with you? I know you love your sister. You know, he, he loved his sister. And he says, Will thou not tell me? And Ammon said to him, I love Tamar, my brother Absalom's sister. So he finally just comes out there in verse 4 and he tells him. And listen, the devil, <laughs> I dare say the devil does, the devil wants to know what our weaknesses are. And I dare say he knows what our weaknesses are. Uh, sometimes we present them all the time. Amen. We present them all the time. And the, any, um, anybody that's been a Christian long enough, I believe, would understand and know that because the devil walked about seeking whom he may devour, is very familiar with every single one of us. He knows what our downfalls are. He knows what our weaknesses are. And anytime these things kind of come up in our life, it can, with the devil just standing there looking, okay, I can see it, I can see it, I can see it. Okay, now's the time. Now's the time. And so there in verse 4, we see that we see that Joannadab is asking all kinds of questions, really trying to really trying to be really, really friendly. Wilt thou not tell me? He acts like he's a friend. He acts like he really cares about his life and what's really going on in reality. In reality, he don't, and I'll show you here in a little bit. But he says, I love Tamar, my, my brother Absalom's sister. And Joannadab said unto him, watch this now, this is the second time he speaks. And Joannadab said, Joannadab said, lay thee down on thy bed. I want you to see the, I want you to see the, the, the conspiring, deceitful, wicked, evil things that he said. Because see, Joannadab, just like the devil, wanted to do everything he could to tempt man to sin, to lead men into sin. And that's exactly what Joannadab did here to his cousin. Did what he could to come up with a, a deceitful, evil, wicked plan to lead his cousin, his friend, into sin. Now, if he was really your friend, he wouldn't do that. The Bible says there in verse 5, Joannadab said unto him, Look, let me tell you what you need to do. You lay thee down on the bed. Listen, I'm even going to tell you where to go. Listen, you have this, you have this uh, infatuation with her. I'm even going to tell you where to go so that you can be prepared whenever she comes over. You just get yourself ready. You just get yourself prepared. Notice the Bible says this, verse 5. Joannadab said to him, Lay thee down on the bed and make thyself sick. Now, he was already, you know, sickly vexed with... Uh, 
uh, with his infatuation, but here we're going to do something else there in verse 5 when he says, make thyself sick. In other words, we're going to pretend that we really have something. You know, I found it interesting, when the, I found it interesting, Joannadab, who was a picture of the devil, telling a mother man how to pretend. I mean, because he is the great pretender. And so we can see, listen, if you're going to take lessons from anybody, you might as well take it from the best. And so here we see Joannadab, who was a picture of the devil, uh, telling another man, listen, I want to tell you how to pretend. You just lay there on that bed and you just make like you're sick. So now what we're going to do is we're just going to go ahead and lie to everybody. And now what the devil did to you there in the garden? He just said, hey, the, 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 he said, thou shalt not surely die. Just go ahead and lie to him. He just come out just blatantly out lied. He said, listen, what we're going to do is we're going to divide this man. I'm going to tell you exactly what you need to do. You lay on that bed and you act like you're sick. Because you see, he knew, Ammon knew, and Joannadab knew that there was no way that he was going to be able to get to Tamar alone unless they devised a plan to get her by herself. And Joannadab wanted to help Ammon strip something from her that she so cherished in her life that meant more to her than almost anything. And now what the devil wants to do to, to kill, steal, and destroy. And the devil was going to use this situation and Joannadab playing just like the devil was going to set up a scene, was going to give this wicked, evil, godless advice to where he could get Tamar by herself so that Ammon could take advantage of her. The Bible says this is what you do there in verse 5. He says, you lay down, you act like you're sick. Make thyself sick. Pretend that you're sick. We'll just lie to everybody. Just pretend like you're sick. And when thy father cometh to see thee, because he knew David would come, and when thy father cometh to see thee, he says, this is what I want you to do. He says, say this. He says, say, I pray thee, let my sister Tamar come and give me meat and dress the meat. But I want you to notice a couple of things that he said there in verse 5. He says, but whenever you tell Whenever you tell your dad to tell Tamar to come, I want you to, I want you to add in a couple things. Notice he said there in, verse, there in verse 5, he says, I pray thee, let my sister Tamar come and give me meat and dress the meat. What's, what's the next three words? In my sight. Now, we can know that all throughout the scriptures, and even today, one of the falls of man is his eyeballs. Amen? Being honest. One of the falls of mankind is his eyeballs. We go all the way back to Genesis and what we see whenever they looked up, the Bible says she saw the tree desired to make one wise pleasant to the eyes. We go back and we see Lot, he looked and saw the well-watered plains of Jordan. We see all these things. The devil using the very same thing right here. He says, listen, I want you to make sure that you don't forget what your mission is. He says, so you tell your dad, he said, when she comes in, don't just prepare the meat, but to dress it, dress the meat in my sight. And that's the first time he said it. And then now watch now. He says, that I may what? See it and eat it at her hand. His desire was, and what he told him, he says, what you need to do is when Tamar comes in, you need to make sure that she is cooking in front of you. You need to make sure she's dressing that meat in front of you. He wanted to put Ammon in a place where he never took his eyes off of her. And I tell you why. Because he knew, he, because what Jonadab needed Ammon to do was to make sure that he stuck to this plan. He knew that if he, he knew that if Ammon kept his eyes on this fair sister of his, that he had such a great infatuation with, that as she stood there and as she stood there and stood there in front of his sight, that he would be so, that he would be so engulfed in a rageful passion that he would take advantage of her. 
And he didn't want him to lose sight of that. Watch this now. Watch what happens. David leaves. I mean, uh, so watch verse, verse 6. So Ammon lay down and made himself sick. They followed through with the plan. He followed it. Ammon lay down, made himself sick, and when the king was come to him, Ammon said to the king, I pray thee, let Tamar, my sister, come and make me a couple of cakes, watch this now, in my sight that I may eat. So he told his dad, listen, tell Tamar to come. Listen, he knew that he couldn't get to her because he knew there was so many people around her. There was never a way that he would be able to take advantage of her until he got her by himself. And that's exactly what the devil seeks to do every single one of us. And that's what he did to Eve there in the garden. He got her by, he got her by herself. She was alone. God, uh, we know that God is ever present, but right there we don't see God in the, in the story. Uh, and, and then we see, and then we understand that Adam, he wasn't there. I don't know where he was, but she was spending time with the devil. They were walking through the garden. He had her all alone. And he was doing what he does best to lead her to a place with a friendship and a kindness and a love that I speak truth and all of this stuff. But his purpose was to lead her down a road of destruction so that she would take a bite of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil and sin usher into the world through her husband. That was the goal. That was the plan. And to bring death and destruction into the world. And he said there in verse, he said there in verse six, they followed along with the plan. And he told his dad, his dad comes in, he says, Oh, dad, I'm just sick. I'm laying here. I can't get up. I can't do anything. Oh, dad, we, we, uh, David, will you, uh, will, will you send Tamar my way? Will, will you send her on over here so she can, so she can cook some stuff for me and, and feed me? I'm so sick. I can't do nothing on my own. I mean, come up with this elaborate story how he's so sick and can't do anything. And he says, I'll tell her to do it in my sight. Just like he was told to do. When David goes back there in verse 7, the Bible says, And David sent home to Tamar, saying, Go now to thy brother Ammon's house and dress the meat. But you know what? He left out the in my sight part. You know why? Because he wasn't the one being deceived. He wasn't the one thinking that way. Ammon was the one thinking that way. Does that make sense? You see where I'm coming from? See, David wasn't thinking about, uh, David didn't say do it in his sight because he wasn't thinking about. His mind wasn't warped. His mind wasn't thinking like Ammon was thinking. Ammon, Ammon wanted it in his sight and he wanted it in his sight because Joannadab wanted to make sure that he kept Tamar within his sight of vision so that he never lost sight so that he would be inflamed in a lustful passion and pursue that interest. And of course he did. But the Bible shows us right here that he talks to Tamar. We're almost done. He talks to Tamar. There in verse 7, Then David sent home to Tamar, saying, Go now to thy brother Ammon's house and dress the meat. So Tamar went to her brother Ammon's house. And he was laid down, and she took flour and kneaded it and made cakes in his sight and had baked the cakes. And she took a pan and poured them out before him, and he refused to eat. Because you know what? He wasn't hungry. He was just infatuated with her. And Ammon said, watch this now, have out all the men from me. Make everybody leave. I don't want there to be nobody but me and her. You see, the devil, wants to, the devil has a desire just to seclude us, to get us in a place where all alone, where he, where he feels like he can just take the most advantage of us as possible. And the Bible says, he says, have out all the men. And they went out every man from him. And Ammon said to Tamar, bring the meat into the chamber that I may eat out of thy hand. And Tamar took the cakes uh, into the chamber to Ammon, her brother. And when she had brought them unto him to eat, he took hold of her and said to her, watch this now, come lie with me. 
Now, one of the other places, the other times that you see this is you think about Potiphar's wife. Isn't that what she said to Joseph? And I also throw this out to you too. Oftentimes when you see, there's two different words that are used or two different phrases oftentimes used in the Bible. Usually when it's between a husband and wife, when they're having, uh, when they're, uh, having marital relations with each other, it's often, it's often this that, and I'm just going to throw a phrase out here, Moses knew his wife. Moses knew his wife. But when you're in, uh, in, in, you are in a, a lustful situation like this where really no, no, um, no love is involved or no uh, marriage relationship involved. It's always the phrase, come lie with me. So there's two different things. It's either come lie with me. When it's a godly thing, it's he knew her. He came into her and he, and he knew her. So there's two different things right there. And I think as God's people, we've got to understand that and realize that there's a difference between people who are together and, and, and married and, 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 and partaken of a relationship that God ordained himself and blessed himself and the way the world sees it. And there's a difference between the two. The Bible shows this right here. That's what he said there at verse 11. He said, come lie with me, my sister. And the reason why he said, come lie with me was because he didn't love her. He didn't love her like a husband would love a wife. He didn't love her. He loved the way she looked. He loved the way she appeared. And that's what he desired. And that's what he wanted. And that's why he said, come lie with me. And that is why Potiphar's wife said that to Joseph. Come lie with me. And what did he do? He left as fast as he could. Left a jacket in her hands. The Bible shows us there in verse 12, we can see that in the midst of all this frenzied, lustful passion that he had because he was sitting there watching her the whole time and that's exactly what Joannadab wanted Ammon to do. Make sure you keep her in front of you all the time. The devil don't want you to lose sight of that which he knows is going to lead you into sin. Does that make sense? The devil don't want you to lose sight of what he knows is going to lead you into sin and destruction. You've got to keep it on the forefront of your mind. Don't veer to the right. Don't veer to the left. Make sure you keep the sin in the forefront of your mind because I don't want you to get right. I don't want you to have second thoughts. I don't want you to turn away. Listen, I want you to keep it right there in front of you so that you will sin and bring destruction upon yourself and everybody else. There, there in the text, the Bible says in verse 12, Verse 11, he says, come lie with me, my sister. In verse 12, she answered him, nay, my brother, do not force me. For no such thing ought to be done in Israel. She knew that this wasn't right. She knew that this wasn't something that should be done. Do not this folly. She told him it was, this is a mistake. This isn't something that's supposed to happen. You're not supposed to do this. And here we can see, uh, obviously, that Ammon, he's, uh, he, there he is, her brother. He's supposed to be one who would protect her. He's supposed to be one that would, that would be there for her to fight off and fend off these kinds of people. That's why, that's why the king's daughters that were virgins that wore these robes, that's why the eunuchs walked around with them, to keep them safe. And here he is acting like one of the people that the eunuchs would be protecting her from. And they thought, well, if we bring her over here to Ammon's house, she's going to be okay. That's her brother. That's the, king, that's the king's son. Little did they know that's the worst place they could possibly drop her off. And Joannadab was behind the whole thing. He's the one that implanted the seed. Joannadab, that picture of the devil, he's, he's the one that planted the seed. Listen, that's why we've got to watch out who our friends are because I tell you, the devil will use people to plant seeds in your mind. The devil used people to plant seeds in your heart, and you've got to be careful who you you got to be careful what you allow to come into your heart, what you allow to come into your mind, because it'll destroy you. It'll come in so subtly, it'll come in so craftily, it'll come in with the, hey, I'm your friend. It'll come in with, hey, I really care about you. Hey, I'm really concerned about this situation. Hey, I'm really concerned about what's going on. But really on the inside, there is a goal and an agenda. 
And that's exactly what Joannadab had. A goal and an agenda. To deceive, to destroy, to, to kill, not with his own hand, but to use everybody else to do it. And that's exactly what the devil does too. He don't slay nobody by his own hand, but he gets everybody else to do it. Gets everybody else to do it. He didn't partake of the fruit himself. He got everybody else to do it. Does that make sense? All right, we're almost done, I promise you. All right. Notice there in verse 14. Howbeit he would, watch this now. Howbeit he would not hearken unto her voice, but being stronger than she forced her and lay with her. So he was in a place and there in verse 14 when he was just unreasonable. You couldn't talk to him. You couldn't get him out of it. He laid with her, defiled her. And then in verse 15, the Bible says, Ammon hated her exceedingly. After he used her, the Bible says he hated her exceedingly so that the hatred where he had was greater than the love which he had loved her. And Ammon said to her, Arise and be gone. You know what they did? They kicked her out. We, we're going to spend a lot of time in chapter 13, so, so I, we'll come back to some of it. But you read it tonight. He kicked her out of the house, told her to go her way, shut the door, slammed it, bolted the door shut so she couldn't come back in. His purpose was, well, what, he, what Joannadab wanted to do was to bring shame and pain and misery and destruction. That's what he desired to do. He was going to use Ammon to do it, and he didn't mind destroying Ammon's life. He didn't mind destroying Tamar's life. He didn't mind destroying none of these lives. Watch this now. The Bible says there in verse 15, I'm sorry, sorry, verse 16, she said to him, there is no cause this evil in sending me away is greater than, uh, than thou didst unto me, but he would not hearken to her. He called his servant that ministered unto him, said, Put now this woman. See, she's not even a sister anymore. She's just this woman. Put now this woman out for me. See, he had no love for her. He just loved the way she looked. Put her out for me. I don't want nothing to do with her. Listen, the devil desires not just to get you to use yourself, but to get you to use other people. He didn't even look at her the same way. After he, after he got what he wanted, he kicked her out. It's just this woman. She's not even Tamar no more. It's just a woman. Kick her out. Shut the door and bolt it so she don't have a chance to come back. The devil's, the devil's idea to shame. The devil's idea to make you seem foolish the devil's idea, notice there in verse 13, she tried to tell him, and whether I shall, and, and whether shall I cause, watch this now, my shame to go. As for these, thou shalt be as one of the fools in Israel. Listen, if you do this, you're going to bring shame upon me and you're going to make yourself look like a fool. And isn't that what the devil desires to do? To bring shame upon you and make you look like a fool in front of the whole world. What happened whenever they partook of the forbidden fruit there in the garden, they were kicked out. And when they were kicked out, what was placed there, a flaming sword that shined in every direction to keep them from coming back, just like Tamar was kicked out the door and the door was shut and locked so she couldn't come back in. You know what? They walked out in shame. They walked out in shame. And the devil desires for that for all of our lives too. I'm going to hit this and we're going to stop. So what happens is, is Absalom finds out about it. Verse 20 says she went home. She went to Absalom's house. 
She remained there desolate. She was so destroyed. In verses, uh, in verses 18 to 20, we see she tore up the garment that she had that defined her as not only a child's daughter, a king's daughter, uh, but also def- defined her as a virgin. She tore it up. There in verse 20, she went to Absalom's house. The Bible says she remained desolate in his house. She was empty. She was, she was destroyed after this. In verse 22, the Bible says that Absalom spake unto his brother Ammon, neither good nor bad. You know why? Because Ammon, Absalom, when he found out what happened, he was planning and plotting. I'm going to kill him. I'm going to kill him. For two years he planned, for two years he plotted that he was going to kill Ammon. Finally, finally it came to pass. But I want you to notice after Ammon was killed, Absalom took him out to a place where some of, the, some of his brothers were going to be at. They, he killed him. Absalom didn't do it. He had some of his servants do it. They killed Ammon out in a field two years later. And as they're coming, they're running back to the king. And they're telling King David, listen, I think all of your family's dead. But notice who speaks up there in verse 32. Joanna dead. He had something to say. I'll tell you what, he sure does know a lot and he ain't even there. Joannadab wasn't even out there in the field whenever, uh, whenever, all the, whenever uh, Ammon was slain. He wasn't out there whenever Absalom was out there. So how does he know what's going on? Because Joannadab played Ammon's fiddle, and he also played Absalom's fiddle. He was behind the whole thing. He knew what was going to bring both of them down. For two years, for two years, Joannadab knew that Absalom was planning to kill his brother Ammon. And never said a word. Never said a word. Notice what happens. Verse 32. And Joannadab, the son of Shimei, David's brother, answered and said, Let not my lord suppose that they have slain all the young men, the king's sons, for Ammon only is dead. Well, how do you know? You wasn't there. The only way that you would know is if you was conspiring with Absalom. And Absalom told you he was going to take him out there and kill only him. Notice what happened, the bottom part of that verse. There's so much to say. I can't hold you up all night. Notice what he says. We'll stop with this, and we'll do the rest of it later. He says, for Ammon only is dead. Watch this now. For by the appointment of Absalom, this hath been determined from from what? From the day that he forced his sister Tamar. So for two years, for two years, Ammon knew that Absalom was going to kill him somehow, some way or another at some point. For two years, he knew it. For two years, he was talking to Absalom, figuring out what Absalom was going to do, playing on Absalom's feelings, letting Absalom you know, figure this thing out. And, and for two years, he knew when the plan was all set together and the plot was made, he knew, he knew what Absalom was going to do. I find it interesting that here he is, this man, Joannadab, a type of Satan, who, in essence devised this evil, wicked plan for Ammon to fulfill his evil, wicked wishes on his sister. Pushed him, encouraged him into this sin and then sat for two years while man was plotting his death and never taught him a thing about it. That's what the devil does. The devil's patient and he will, and he'll sit by and he'll just watch and he'll just wait because the Joannadabs are out there. Let's pray. That's so much to say. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this night. God, help us in our life just to be watchful. 
Help us, Lord, to uh, just to um, be a people that has spiritual discernment in our life in every aspect, Lord, not just in our personal lives. Lord, what we invite in, what we let in, uh, Lord, our homes. Uh, Lord, help us to be aware of even the workplace when we go there and the things that come in. Uh, Lord, our church, Lord, uh, our communities, Lord, even our country, Lord, I just pray, God, just help us to be a people that exercises spiritual discernment and wisdom, God, in our life. Lord, I pray that you just keep everybody safe as we get ready to leave here tonight. Lord, I pray that you would just wrap your arms around every person. Bring us back here to our next appointed time on Sunday. God, we love you and thank you for it all. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.